Have you thought this through? No way will that work. Are you sure? Is there any money in that? You'll never make any money doing that. How are you going to pay the mortgage? Just get a job. You're going to try to tell that? Why can't you be normal like anybody else? All right. Were your parents morons too? Savvy entrepreneur to the rescue! Congratulations, that really turned out well. I'm really good job. I'm really, really, I'm really. You know, I wish I'd thought of that. I never thought anyone would. How did you do that? I'm so glad you're here. I wish I had the courage to follow my dreams. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to the Savvy Entrepreneur Show. I'm Doris Nagel, your host for the next hour. And this show is intended for all you entrepreneurs and small business people out there. Why am I doing this show? Well, I've been an entrepreneur and I've helped lots of entrepreneurs over the past 30 years. And I've seen so many mistakes and I've made so many mistakes. So one of the goals of the show is to help provide information and resources for you entrepreneurs out there. If I can help just one or two of you not make some of those mistakes, then I've been successful. The second goal is to inspire. I found being an entrepreneur lonely sometimes, confusing, hard to know if you're on the right track or where to turn sometimes for good advice. So to help with both those goals, I have guests on the show every week who are willing to share their stories and advice. My guest this week is Juan Shaw. And she is the founder and the CEO of a company called Lus Oasis. And she is one of several companies out there these days helping people eat more wholesome and healthy food. And she's going to share with us today the story of her journey and how she came from carrying, she says, two suitcases and not much English to being a successful female entrepreneur. So Juan, thanks so much for being on the show this week. I really appreciate you being here. Welcome to the Savvy Entrepreneur Show. Yeah, thank you so much, Doris, for the invitation. And it's really my pleasure to be here and to share a little bit of my story and journey and to also learn from Doris. And uh, it is a wonderful <laughs> podcast as well. Well, thank you for that. Let's start out by telling listeners a little bit about who you are as a person, your background, what you do for fun, how you came to be an entrepreneur. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a lot of questions. And uh, Oh, sorry. Uh, I know. I, that's a problem. I get so excited. I ask multiple questions and then my guests don't know where to start. Yeah. No worries, no worries. Uh, it, it's a lot of great questions and very profound as well. Speaking about who I am, it, it's a really profound question <laughs> um, because there's many different aspects we can describe ourselves, I guess, from outside the world. Um, if people look at me, they will see my ethnic background. I'm Asian American. And this month is actually celeb- is a celebration month for AAPI. So I'm very That's glad actually we are taking this time to do this podcast. Very meaningful for the other community. To a point earlier, uh, Doris, I really love your sense of community, and that's why we are here together. We we want to learn from each other and support each other. Then professionally, I am a food food scientist by training. I got my wow. master's in food science from Penn State, 
And I, since then, I have been in food industry for last 12 years. Started my career in big food companies like Mars and McCain Foods. And uh, during pandemic, <laughs> I quit my executive job and uh, started up uh, the Soyces company. And really because of my passion to help people with uh, healthier alternatives that not only satisfy their tastes and flavor, but also to bring joy to their body and mind holistically together. So you left an executive job at a big food company. Why did you do that? I mean, that's a that's a very scary thing to do, especially in a pandemic when we don't know what's going to happen, right? Yeah, I guess this this route uh, of entrepreneurship and uh, began much longer time ago, and in in recent years, I finally gained much more clarity in my own mind. Uh, really thankful for the vegan diet I started about five years ago. Uh, which not only helped my physical well-being, as well as brought me much more mental clarity about what I really want to be when I grow up. And what, <laughs> uh, so, yeah, and the coming back to the kind of foundation of who I am and what I want to do, especially in the pandemic, when I see a lot of people struggling with compromised health and become more, uh, much easier to get COVID. So that, that made me think if they eat healthier and that may be able to help their immune system and they can suffer suffer less. And coming from my own experience to this, yeah, that's kind of the basic motivation there. That's quite profound as well. I, I totally agree with you. It's It's pretty clear that COVID underlined this. I don't think it's just COVID. But certainly people with compromised immune systems or who have health issues in general, any sort of thing that happens makes those people more susceptible. You mentioned a vegan diet. It's certainly something that has been in the news, but I don't know if everybody really knows what vegan means. Tell us more about that. <laughs> So vegan diet means uh, your your diet is based 100% from plant-based foods. So no dairy and no eggs. So if you take dairy and eggs, actually it's a vegetarian diet. So vegan is actually pretty strict. It's only plant foods, no animal related food at all. So how, um, how do people get the proteins that they need? Yeah, so there's a variety of uh, legumes, beans, lentils, uh, everything that provides a lot of proteins. Like even vegetables, there's a little bit of protein in them as well. So if you can have a lot, of, like say 20 to 30 different varieties of uh, plants or vegetables, fruits and beans, legumes every week, your nutrition will be pretty good. But the problem is that uh, if people think about vegan, it, it's only about uh, salads, then yeah, that's not enough for your nutrition. You have to be very careful about all these uh, other the plant-based proteins you need to take. Yeah. I'm curious about what made you want to start your own company. I mean, clearly you could have said, I don't want to work for one of these big processed food companies anymore. I want to find a company that's more conscientious about health and healthy eating. But you decided instead to start your own company. 
And I, I think that's a different thing. So talk about how you'd, you made that choice. Yeah, great question. I think you, you clearly um, said something very important. It's not, not only about healthy food itself. It's also my uh, un- entrepreneur nature in, in me. One thing about corporate job is, uh, to me, it was very stable, actually, very high and stable income. And I learned so much, actually. It's a great training, a great training ground for my professional life. You have a, a lot of freedom to learn, a lot of freedom to think and talk. However, I, I find myself often limited in the opportunity to execute. So I don't have as much freedom to execute my ideas <laughs> in many ways mm-hmm. because it's usually a big corporation is, a, is a finely segmented into different departments. Uh, you can only be situated in one department and for certain projects under the scope, everything. And, and pretty much every corporation is like that when it gets big. And so that's right. Kind of innovator by, by nature, I feel like it's kind of lack of opportunity for me to do more or offer more as I wish and kind of limit my growth a little bit. Yeah. And well, and I don't, I don't know about you, but I found it frustrating. It is difficult to be what I call an agent of change in a big company because mm-hmm. I used to joke with my friends that I felt like it was trying to change the course of the Titanic mm-hmm. or some other very, very large boat. You know, you, you can nudge it and keep pushing away and eventually maybe it'll change a degree or two in direction, but it's difficult to really, I think, I think it's a, a challenge that all very large companies face is they need to reinvent themselves, but yet they're structured in a way that makes it very difficult for that to happen. Yeah, certainly. And uh, it's really the speed to the market. It can be quite slow because the one from the innovative ideas to pushing uh, products to consumers' play, it takes a long time. And uh, like you mentioned, I am an immigrant. So um, if after going through the immigration process and the challenge I, I went through coming from different country to United States, you become much more adventurous, actually, uh, or more risk taking as well. And right. in a way, I also see a lot of opportunities in that manner, which kind of really prompt me to take risks. And, and embrace the risk sometimes and, and sometimes even create challenges for yourself to do that. <laughs> <laughs> well, we, you know, we haven't really talked about your business, Lust Oasis. What does it make and why? And what kind of customers? Oh, there I go again. I'm asking multiple questions. Start with your business and what you make. Yeah, so La Soisis, we are focused on creating plant-based alternatives, clean and tasty, to popular food items. So first, we create a, a line of uh, delicious baking mixes for pancake and waffle. And we intentionally create trifecta value for our consumers, gluten-free, keto-friendly, and vegan. And all of these three are what people most sought after these days on the market. Plus, we, we create four amazing flavors, which I've never seen, in, such as raw chocolatey, tomato basil, sweet savory, and savory chili. 
So they will wow. really stimulate your taste buds from sweet to savory to even a little bit spicy and salty and sour all together. So you, you will never get bored with them in the breakfast time. You can even use it beyond breakfast. Okay, well, I have to peel back some of this. So first, you mentioned keto-friendly. What is that? Yeah, so keto keto diet is uh, such a big thing uh, these days. Uh, it's about uh, low cup to help you boost your metabolism to burn the calorie quicker versus a normal diet. And our product is keto-friendly. It's not necessarily keto because we use uh, less cups than traditional pancake waffle mix, like, uh, for example, all, all wheat flours or et cetera. But because our leading ingredients is almond flour, so it's more protein-based and a nut-based mix to help people to reduce the cup intake a little bit for these uh-huh. popular items. And you mentioned gluten-free. And I've seen, again, a lot about that. And a lot of people think gluten is not so great. Why is that? Is it important for everybody to have less gluten in their diet? Or is it just some people that are particularly sensitive to it? Yeah, we, we all know there's a gluten allergy going up almost every year in the United States. And for, for some people, gluten-free is a necessity. And the gluten, which is a type of protein from wheat, the pro- gluten is a protein who's not very easy to digest. So that's why some people develop an allergy reaction to that. Because in the beginning, if uh, for a small amount, it will be okay, but if you eat uh, too much of it, for example, someone loves bread, <laughs> loves the wheat-based bread, they, they may begin to de- develop this kind of allergies because by nature, this protein is pretty hard to digest in your body and it, it tends to stick to your intestine membranes, actually, Ooh. and stay there, linger there for a longer amount of time, not getting out of your, your, your body. So I think for people without problem with uh, with gluten, a moderate amount is fine. Uh, of course, not too much. It's, it's, it's like everything else, you know, moderate amount is always good. I know more and more people are aware of gluten allergies. Do you think mm-hmm. do you think that that allergies are on the increase, or is it just we're becoming more aware of it? And if if they're on the increase. Why do you think that is, or what does the research seem to say about it? I mean, this is my purely guess. <laughs> I haven't really studied it because this is kind of another medical field. But I, I do think it's both. Awareness is for sure because the detection methods, everything like, say, 50, 50 years ago, we are not uh, so advanced in the detection technology. I don't think people even yeah. knew yeah. gluten allergies 50 years ago. Yeah. But I do think uh, a certain like diet habits in the modern modern diet also is leading to more allergy as well. Not only for gluten, that we we also see the increasing of the other other allergies in people's diet. In general, we have a lot of opportunity to in, improve the diet the food structure in the United States. <laughs> oh, that's an understatement. Why pancakes, though? That's an interesting choice. So, you know, coming from food industry, like I said, for 12 years, uh, I know the food manufacturing, scaling up, commercialization process very well. So as a first product uh, I do for the startup, I wanted to do something very easy to commercialize Uh and scaling up. And I can spend more time 
time to do business things because uh, as an entrepreneur, you are often by yourself. Um, coming, <laughs> yes, you it, we actually, yeah, intention select this out of like 300 different recipe or product we, we, we tested and we think this is a great format and also have lots of benefits we can easily design into the product as well. I was hungry describing it. There's there's something comforting about breakfast food. We in North America certainly, and waffles and pancakes are pretty popular. Um, <laughs> who are most of your customers? How do you find them or how do they find you? Yeah, we have three categories of uh, customers, I, I think. Uh, one for sure is the vegan. Um, people are on this diet and are trying the vegan or, or trying the vegetarians. They are about uh, 10% of American, actually. That's, that's pretty big population. That's huge. And, I had no idea. Yeah. And the second group, uh, even broader. So I call them health conscious people. And these people are constantly looking for a better diet and healthier diet and cleaner ingredients. So one of the things about our baking mix is that they only have eight to nine ingredients and all whole foods based. And uh, everybody can understand uh, uh, what the ingredient means. There's no hidden ingredients. So a lot of healthy, conscious people, they really love to see that. They can understand every single ingredient. They understand every single thing they eat. So that's another advantage we have too. Yeah. Um, then, then the third group are those health, health compromised groups. Um, the, the, the doctors will tell them you have to eat healthy now, <laughs> otherwise it will jeopardize your life. How do they find you? Do you sell products online? Do they find you yeah. through Google searches? Are you in stores, farmers markets? Yeah. How do they find you? Yeah, and I want to find all of them too. <laughs> um, so yes, we are pretty much doing like 360 digital marketing because I find that it's most effective way to, to find more people. So we are on Amazon, our own website. We do uh, Google ads, Facebook ads, uh, all the social medias, uh, Instagram, Facebook uh, with the sources. And so people online can definitely find us. Uh, we like to do more work with people who have less access to digital marketing stuff on WGN TV uh, last year for Chicago's cooking show. Oh, so, congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. That attracted some customers who only look at TV and uh, conventional advertising. Right. Yeah, we were on farmer's market locally too. Yeah, so that's, those are all different channels we do. And we also try to do word of mouth uh, with a lot of community help in Chicago area too. Uh, maybe I'm wrong about this, but I would guess that there's a significant chunk of your customer base that skews on the younger side. People who are trying vegan diets are certainly trying to eat more healthy. I mean, that would describe my daughter who is in her early 20s and her friends throughout their 20s. Mm -hmm. and, you know, all of those people seem to talk about this. So for them, I'm guessing the digital approach is a very natural matching with that demographic. Yeah, definitely. Um, we, we do find that also some older generation loves this too, because this is a traditional American favorite food, pancake waffle and tend to really serve uh, the family gathering purpose as well. Oh. And people feel comfortable. So a lot of, I find a lot of moms actually 
uh, if they have gluten-free kids. They love to cook for them when they come back from different cities. So I have a lot of customers like this kind. Interesting. Well, how did you come up with the name for the company? It's an interesting name. It's not gluten-free pancakes or <laughs> keto-friendly waffles. It's less oasis. What's the significance behind the name? Yeah, it's coming from my dream, actually. <laughs> um, so less oasis, L-U-S, means uh, elucidate. And uh, so it, this whole name is inspired by our hope to elucidate your path to a healthy food oasis. Uh-huh. And uh, why I say it's coming from my dream, I was trying to figure out a name for the business. And uh, one morning I, I woke up and I, I, I dreamed about uh, a crescent, crescent moon lake in the Gobi Desert. <laughs> uh, I don't know if people know about Silk Road in the Western oh, yeah. China. Yes. It's important transportation pivotal for many businesses in the Asian times. And uh, the Gobi Desert is on the Silk Road. It's in the, in the Mongolia area. And this Crescent Moon Lake is actually very famous over there and used to be very big in the Asian times, in, uh, in the Silk Road period time and providing people uh, lounging food, water, when people go through the Silk Road. And nowadays, it's only, I think, 10, 10% of the size because oh of the dedication, everything. So it's very small now. So that's why it become a crescent, lake, crescent moon shape versus a, a full lake. But it's very beautiful. Well, if you Google the picture of Crescent Moon Lake on Gobi, Gobi Desert, it's such a beautiful thing. Like you'll see like this uh, nice blue color in the yellow desert. It's still shrinking. So whenever I think about this lake, that's why I came to my, my dream, is I feel like this healthy house is still there, but now become more difficult to find because it becomes smaller and smaller in the big, big desert. And, <laughs> A uh, desert of processed foods and McDonald's, right? So, but I want to show people there is still a past. So we want to enlighten or elucidate this past so they still can go access this precious water in the desert. So I want to inspire people, give people hope. We can still still do it if you know the past to, to go there. That is a wonderful story. I really love it. So many businesses don't, you know, the, the name doesn't have nearly the thought and meaning and layers that yours does. So that's, thank you for sharing that. The, actually, the logo <laughs> says that too. So if you look at the logo, there's a water in the, the bottom half of the circle. And you have the sun ray looks like a, a fork on the top left. Then you have plants of beautiful flowers coming from the right corner. So that, that's what we try to try to show as well. The sun and the water bring the plant life together. I love it. Talk a little bit about how you got started. So you had the idea for this and you were, I guess, testing the idea. Were you testing it in your kitchen? Did you find a space? I mean, talk about how you got started. Yeah, I, I got started in my own kitchen because um, it's cheap. <laughs> <laughs> yes. You don't have to commercialize at that point. It's more about uh, ideation and uh, making the products. Yeah, like I mentioned earlier, we created uh, so many different versions, actually. 
In the beginning, it was not baking mix at all, actually. We made uh, uh, these uh, pazella cookie. So it's oh. like uh, those shell outside of the ice cream cone. Yeah. So the ingredients for these baking mix, uh, we, we can easily make a pazella cookie, actually. It was very tasty, too. <laughs> but it's, uh, it's very hard to, to process and make. The manual labor will be very, very high. And I feel like it's not not good thing. I mean, as a startup, to do that first. So we can do that later. Yeah. So things like that. When we also create a bunch of like vegan dishes that we thought we probably can commercialize too, but I feel like the process, the scaling up will be difficult. How did you get to the four flavors? I mean, did you have friends taste them, or yeah? How did you put put pull together market research? I guess on on which way to go forward. Yeah, um, I've been in food industry. This comes naturally. There's a lot of places you can find the marketing trends. For example, uh, Google Trend is a great tool. You can type in those flavors you think could be popular or good and to understand how it's trending these days. Wow, uh, I and, didn't know that. And in general, like in food industry right now, uh, our customer base are, are much more segmented. Uh, people are looking for novel, interesting flavors with ethnic background sometimes. And um, savory breakfast is a trend. People love sweet for sure. But to be able to reduce the sugar intake a little bit, we like to introduce more savory breakfast items. And the spiciness is, is definitely a bold uh, trial <laughs> because of the Mexican food influence, everything. And I feel like some adventurous people would like to have spicy as well. And I also had another inspiration for this type of like savory, spicy food because one of my friends have diabetics and but he loves the, the traditional American cereals, a bowl of cereal with, with sugar, everything, but he cannot <laughs> do that anymore. Yeah. So he would like put the Parmesan cheese and the jalapeno peppers into his series <laughs> and make him very <laughs> satisfied. Yeah. Okay. So that's why I think oh, savory chili could be another one. Yeah. And of course, a lot of tasting with friends and family to make sure people love the taste. And we, yeah. we change the intensity. We have to make it really balanced because yeah. we have different taste, not only sweet. We have different tastes. It's complex. So you want to make sure the, the tastes are very balanced and people like it too. Well, continue your story about how you moved from your kitchen to where you are today. Yeah. So once we settle down a, the, the prototype, we want to, we, we know what we want to do baking mix. Then we need to find a commercial space that we can properly produce it and uh, with, with food safety certificate other regulations so that our product will be eligible to sell to the public. So naturally, we, we search online and uh, I found Hatchery, Chicago Hatchery. It's uh, such a great place. Not only they provide commercial kitchen space for us to produce the products uh, in a safe environment, but also they are a food incubator, food entrepreneur incubator. They provide a resource like marketing sales all this type of support, it's almost like bringing all the food entrepreneurs into a community so we can support each other, we can learn from each other. And so that's, that's how we, we went next after our own kitchen. So Chicago Hatchery, that's something I really highly recommend to anyone who wants to start a food business. It's kind of one-stop shop. 
You're not the first guest to have sung the praises of the hatchery, and I'm very hopeful to get someone from the hatchery to come on the show soon to talk about that. Talk about what happened at the hatchery and how that helped you and your business really take off. Yeah, many things I I learned from hatchery. Uh, As I mentioned, it's a community. I learned a lot from my fellow entrepreneurs because entrepreneurship is not like cookie cutter. (laughs) You you met a different kind of problem every day. And uh, by having your support community behind of it, it it makes you feel like you are not alone and you can leverage each other's experience. So that's kind of the foundational support I got. And the commercial kitchen in Hatchery really provides us a great space. We can do all the productions, including uh, mixing uh, of all the ingredients together and packaging them into a beautiful pouch and seal them and get them commercially ready. So from there, uh, we were able to launch at Amazon very quickly. Do they help you with things like packaging too? They help with uh, the resource. So it's almost like they paint you with a roadmap. So you know to be a food business and sell to the general public. What do you what do you need to know? What do you need to do? Like as a checklist, the design is one of it. And from there, I was able to connect with the other resources I can use and find people to design my packaging and print packaging. What a phenomenal resource to find. So. If you're in the Chicago area and you're interested in food and beverage, you should definitely check them out. If you're elsewhere, uh, there may very well be incubators focused on food and beverage that would be a great resource for you. So I'm guessing it was several months to decide on the product, test the product, find the hatchery, get products to, to market. How did you find funding? (laughs) Um, to be honest I'm still bootstrapping I know food industry very well actually and I was very cost conscious as well I didn't really spend too much money and mostly utilizing my my own own time and friends circle to find a a more cost uh, conscious contractors agency to help me out for things I don't know so I can still uh, go without being paid for a little bit <laughs> because my own saving a little bit. Um, because, because you know, in the, in the beginning of business, right? And I, I know that I'm not going to earn money very quickly. So I'm propelled with a pool of money to get me to the stage I can do fundraising. So wow. um, it's a necessary stage. You, can, you are not going to have uh, your own your earnings for, for a couple of years. That's, that's very natural. Yeah, well, I was going to ask you what you saw as the future of the company. I mean, where yeah, where do you see the company in two to three years if you're successful? Yeah, so I'm going to transition a little bit, if you don't mind. To me, it's very normal as an entrepreneur. Uh, you take risks and uh, you, you test market quick and you are not afraid to fail. Then you are not afraid to try new things as well. So you asked me uh, why I chose the baking mix in the beginning. And uh, the main, main reason is that uh, this is easiest to commercialization and scaling up and require very little of my efforts uh, in the production because I really uh, know how to do, do about it. However, it is a very crowded uh, 
category for as a baking mix. When I think about it, that's why that transition happens, and I I tend to act very quickly. It gave me a lot of great commercialization process, and I learned so much marketing and sales, like in the fourth cycle of launching a product to market, and we are doing well too. However, to to a point, you know, the funding everything is important. Eventually, we need to be able to raise capitals, but the volume for for baking mix may not be rising quickly enough to sustain such fundraising. So I I began to think, you know, what what else I can do to really scale quickly and uh, this way we can raise funds and build a team and bring more products to the consumer, not only baking mix. So I I start to think what what I can leverage the most, like as an entrepreneur myself is the best assets. I need to be able to prioritize and capitalize my expertise in the most effective way to bring value to the company. So about uh, uh, six to nine months ago, I started developing new product. And this this time, it's much more with much higher barrier, IP strategies, patents behind of it, and make it much higher barrier for people uh, to, to compete on the market. So this is the, our very exciting new product we, we're going to launch. It's plant-based uh, whole cut meat. And I can talk a lot about it. So <laughs> alternative protein is the hardest in the food industry today. And it's, it's growing very fast, especially in the last few years. Um, as a vegan, you know, I know protein is always very important as a nutrition base. And uh, if I look at the market, uh, there, are, there are many ground meat alternatives on the market, such as beef patties, meatball, etc. However, you don't find, you almost don't find any whole cut uh, protein alternatives. For example, uh, like a whole cut uh, steak, you know, whole cut pork, those kind of things. Oh, yeah, yeah. right. It's mostly yeah. something ground. Yeah, it's something ground, but because that's much easier to uh, simulate as a starting right. point for the plant-based industry. But it's much more challenging to create some a, a muscle-like texture. Like oh, beef. I, I would imagine, yes, that's right. Yeah. So that's what we, we have created. We are very proud. We create the world first commercially ready, affordable, whole cut beef product. Wow. Real muscle that's, structure. That's wild, Juan. Yeah. That, that's why I say I transition. There's multiple purpose why I want to do that. First is because of protein. You know, as a vegan, protein is most important. Secondly, this is the area I can really leverage myself, really leverage my food technology background to write the patents, to, to develop the proprietary ingredient and processing technology that nobody has on the market. So we're going to really differentiate our, ourselves to be able to attract uh, investors' attention very quickly and raise, raise capital very quickly. That is amazing. You certainly are an entrepreneur. You are, as you say, making quick decisions, get to market quickly, get get feedback quickly, pivot quickly if need to. So that leads me to something else in your background that you touched on. As an immigrant, you mentioned you're more willing to take risks. And, you know, after we had our uh, a chat bef- before the show, I did a little research and 
In fact, there are quite a few studies out there that show that, in fact, immigrants are more likely than not to become entrepreneurs. They're more likely than the average population. They're more likely to be successful at being an entrepreneur than the average population. Why do you think that is? What What is it about your background and I'm sure some of the other immigrants you've talked to as part of your journey. Why is that? Yeah, a great question. Great studies. I need to see those studies too. I actually didn't, didn't pay attention. Um, um, just speaking for myself, I think when we took these risks or uh, went through these challenges in our uh, early life, uh, I came to United States when I was uh, 20. So you kind of build this type of confidence and belief system in yourself to be less fearful and to be a little more bold than others because you went through that. You know how it, it went through. It's almost like you play this game before you can play again. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I believe everything is created by yourself. Like your, your external world is a reflection of your internal world. If you're always confident, if you always have belief in your heart, then you're going to influence others. You're going to attract people who believe in you, surrounding, surrounded by these people who are supporting you as well. You know, I, I'm a fan of uh, Viktor Frankl's book, Man Searching for Meaning. And we, you know, every human being, we are all about to expand ourselves, to improve ourselves in a certain way. Uh, and we all want to live happy, harmonious, peaceful, or fulfilled life. And to me, uh, doing entrepreneurship is very important for me to fulfill my life because I feel like help me to expand, help me to improve. Uh, then the roadblock is always yourself. If you conquer your fear, if you <laughs> remove all these barriers, then the sky is the limit. Uh, nothing can stop you. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. I don't know if the studies are actually completely clear about why. They are a bunch of different hypotheses, and I think they're all quite interesting, and it may be a factor of more than one. But some have argued that, just as you say, that entrepreneurs have already essentially risked it all. You came to the United States with two suitcases and not even much English, right? Correct. Yeah. <laughs> and and so how terrifying is that? I mean, you you leave your entire social structure, a world in which you're comfortable, and you voluntarily gotten on a plane or a boat or you know whatever you've done as an driven as an entrepreneur, and you've left it all. And I think that alone is just, it's an astonishing accomplishment that I think many people forget when they're talking to people who are immigrants, because it, it takes a lot of courage to be able to do that. And as you say, once you've done that, well, nothing seems quite so risky anymore as that. 
Yeah, I, and I agree. It's it's uh, it's about this like maybe adventurous nature, even though uh, <laughs> it's almost like when people play games, right? They they like like to uh, go to a new new place, and they may find different enemies, stuff like that in the game. <laughs> but they, it makes them excited right. because in mm-hmm. the in the game, you know you are safe, right? You know you are safe, even though you have all these new things going on. It's just part of the game. But I, I think in reality, it's the same thing. If you remove the fear, then it becomes all excitement. It's just like you are in a new land and exploring new stuff. Uh, if you remove the fear of uh, of losing or of uh, uh, you know kind of people judging you or whatever the identity problems, then it's fine. You know, it's all the judgment you are worried about. You know, if you remove all of these, that's totally fine. Then you just come into like you just come into a new world to play. You just right. play your game. Yeah. That's a wonderful way to look at it. You know, there were uh, there was another set of studies that looked at it that theorized that immigrants are very good at being entrepreneurs because they make unusual connections. Do you think there's something to that too? That having lived in and being essentially bicultural allows mm-hmm. you to make connections or see things that maybe people who haven't been through that experience might not connect or see yeah definitely there's a, a more a bigger sense of inclusion right because coming from a different country first of all you have to kind of include yourself into different culture it's like <laughs> forging. very good forging. point but the inclusion is like wait i have to include myself here so okay yeah so yeah you're naturally more open because you just have to um then you're naturally kind of forging the old elements into new elements all the time it become a a habit or become something in your gene even like you kind of transform your genes that way because you are forced to do that in a way so by this type of uh, attitude entrepreneurship become much easier because basically in the entrepreneurship world you see the opportunity all the time you see the challenge all the time but it's all about uh, forging what you have to what's uh, what's you going to know and create something even better. It's more. It's like it's almost almost like art, right? <laughs> when you have some old elements and putting some new elements together, and you create something more beautiful. Wonderful analogy. Mm-hmm. Well, talk about the best parts about having your own business. Now that you've been down this path for, I don't know how how long has it been since you started down this path? A um, year and a half, two long- years. Yeah, yeah, one half, one year and a half. What's been the hardest part? It's always about managing your own psychology. <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh yes, yeah. It, and that's a, that's a part I really want to improve uh, through entrepreneurship because I guess my biggest motivation is always about self improvement. In the beginning, it may be about to, you know improve myself to achieve more success. But at this point of my life, uh, I think it's really about improve myself to become happier and and more peaceful every day. So, I mean, the, the challenge is always that you, you're wearing so many hats and you, you are not going to finish everything you, you want to do. It's, right. In fact, I was telling my colleague, uh, say yesterday I planned like 10 things to do today. But maybe today I only end up doing 20% of that because the 80%, the others, I find some other more interesting things to do. 
So, as you say, managing yourself, but I think also sometimes setting unreasonable expectations. It can be, it can be discouraging because if you set a list of ten things and you only did two, it's easy to beat yourself up about it. Yeah, and I, I have to look at things much more organically.、Uh, it's because it's totally different than corporate job. Basically, it's very clear goal and expectations, and you do certain things every day. Right, you can sometimes you fill the hours, eight hours, but here it's it's very organic. Even though maybe I only did two things today, I I didn't really rest or or get lazy. It's just because I did some other eight things not on the list. But sometimes <laughs> organically, it will it will it will boost those eight things I supposed to do, and、right. it happens very often actually. And I find it fascinating actually. <laughs>、um, yeah, that's kind of making me happy because I find that. Many times I need to really follow my heart. I mean, I'm a logical person, but when you have a、uh, things are very overwhelming on your desk, you have to follow your heart. What's the most conscious thing to do at the moment, and allow yourself just be in the moment, not thinking about too many things, because it's sometimes you always have these linchpin to certain things, certain thing you want to achieve. Once you get that thing down very deeply. You probably don't need to do the other five things in many times, even though I don't know at the moment. But I believe it; like it will unwind by itself eventually. Well, I think that kind of awareness is really important. There is the other side of it, though. If you realize, start to realize what you're good at and how you're really contributing the best and most to the organization. I think sometimes it helps you realize there are certain things that need to get done that maybe it'd be better to find somebody else to do them. So, for example, you know, if you hate financial things and bookkeeping, you can do them, but it doesn't help if you are way behind in your billing, for example, and invoicing、uh-huh. things. I, I'm just giving an example. So, have you? Yeah. Has that has that process happened to you already as well? Yeah, definitely. You you need to let it go、uh, many times. It's because taking risk is about、uh, choose the right thing to do, and then sometimes you have to let something go.、Uh, for example, I tried my best to do、uh, like social media management, management, some e-commerce thing, but it's, it's really not my my core competency still after learning that one year. So I was fortunate to enough to find somebody who's really good at it and managing that for me. But it's a process, you know. You have to learn still a little bit. As somebody owns a business, you need to know how to do that in general. Then、right. once you have somebody else helping you, you know exactly like you can match the goal and be much more strategic and tactical at the same time. And you almost need to do that as an entrepreneur if you want to grow, because if you're going to try to do everything yourself. You're、yeah. very limited in what you're going to be able to do because there's a lot to be done. What's been the best part about your journey so far as an entrepreneur?、Um, best part, I feel like I get to know myself more deeply <laughs> because, it, like, like what I described to you, I was able to work more organically versus within a framework. And that really suits me better. I mean, this is probably not、uh, typical for all the entrepreneurs because I, I'm the person who who like to innovate and create、uh, new things, by not following a framework, but by just doing things more consciously. 
I figured out I can do things much more in a way I couldn't imagine before. Uh, so that makes me happier. Like that makes me feel like I can be more accomplished and I, I can contribute more in certain areas than I thought of. Uh, it sounds a little bit uh, vague, but, <laughs> but no. that's like, yeah. It's 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 mm-hmm. interesting though too. I'm guessing you get some external validation from mm-hmm. customers mm-hmm. who tell you how the products help them or how much they enjoyed them. I think, you know, I think that's one of the appeals of consumer packaged goods as opposed to consulting services or tax advice or meeting planning or something, you know, you, you, I'm guessing, get a fair amount of very specific and direct feedback from customers, you know, as I said, that they enjoyed the product or it tasted great, or it's helped them be more healthy, things like that. Yeah, certainly. That's a great point to, to wind me back to the consumer world. Yes, that's, that's certainly one of the the biggest motivation for me every day. Yeah, like when I look at our Amazon reviews and people uh, will say uh, this is a healthier choice that help and that 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 product is so delicious that children really enjoy. So that really warmed my heart. How bad? Um, yeah. How bad? You know, looking back on your journey so far, what advice would you give to other women entrepreneurs or other immigrant entrepreneurs who are just starting out? Yeah, I I would give this advice somebody gave me before. I was very grateful. Um, it's uh, unleash yourself. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> um, because like it's, I, I always think the barrier is ourself. Nobody else can create a real barrier for you if you change yourself enough. And uh, it's, it's, it's about like, you know, um, be free from our identity, be free from our color, from our skin, from where we come from, where's our social status. Our gender. You know, yeah. Our, everything. Don't care too much about it. You know, we need to be aware about all these things for sure. And because then we can be more polite and we can be more socially appropriate. <laughs> but however, it shouldn't influence you as a human being you know i think all the human beings are equal and we all have our unique ta- talent and potentials that we need to express fully to this world uh, to deserve our life so once we unleash ourselves then you're going to shine wherever you go i mean we are going to shine very differently um but that's that's a, you know just be the best of ourselves every day and make yourself the happiest person and make other people happy too what what advice would you give for people who struggle to unleash themselves? What could they do maybe? What have you done or what have you seen <laughs> that helped, that helped yourself yeah. unleash yourself? It, it's a great question. It's, a, it's a, such a process. I'm, I'm still doing that, right? Because uh, like one of the biggest thing I wanted to improve is some compulsive uh, behavior of, of my myself. <laughs> Because I think we <laughs> we all got con- compulsive because of the noises, the background we grow up, the influences, even from our dearest uh, family members, they, they they tend to influence us the most. Yeah. Um. I, I think what helped me the best, I I, I didn't mention earlier because you asked me a question in the first question. What do you do for fun? 
Um, and I, I love meditation and yoga. And that helped me to, to calibrate myself. Uh, that helped me to remove some noises. And that helped me to find myself truly. So I think it is, it is uh, essentially an inner journey to, to unleash yourself. You cannot rely on anybody else to unleash you. You have to unleash yourself through <laughs> right. um, so recognize yourself, um, be very well living in the moment and, and just looking inwardly well, what you want, etc. Wonderful, wonderful advice. Well, before I let you go, I want to give you a chance to tell people how to find out about your products, where to find them, where to learn more, and maybe even connect with you if they're interested in learning more about uh, your journey or the hatchery or something else you've touched on today. Yeah, I appreciate the opportunity. I certainly enjoy every, every bit of our conversation. Uh, you are so soothing and storytelling, <laughs> making me really at ease uh, of telling my own. I'm glad. Uh, yeah, so people can find find me many places. You know, I have to be public as <laughs> as, as advertising and selling uh, food products. We have a Instagram and a Facebook account of Las Oasis at Las Oasis. You can find us. And myself, you can find me uh, mostly on LinkedIn. I'm, I'm pretty uh, active on LinkedIn. You just search my name, H-U-A-N-X-I-A, and uh, we are welcome to connect me over there. And I also want, want to tell people we are very excited to launch this plant-based meat. And yeah. it is different brand name. I have to say a little bit more, <laughs> if I can. Absolutely, uh, you should. It, it's called Alchemeat. So it's not the sources because we wanted to really differentiate uh, the magic transformation process behind it to uh -huh. transform plant protein into the meat texture. That's why it's alchemy from alchemy. Like the Greek, <laughs> the, the Greek al alchemist. Yeah. Then, then our, our brand is alchemeat. So A L C H E M E A T meat alchemist. So, so, so spell that once again, because I think I talked over you. Oh, sorry about that. It's alchemist. So derived from the word alchemy, A L C H E, then meat. M-E-A-T, meat, alchemist. I love it. I love it. Well, I want to say thanks again for being on the show this week and for spending a few minutes sharing your story with us today. Yeah, my true pleasure, Dor Doris. Good luck to everything. And I, I enjoy so much here. And let me know anything else I can support. Ah, uh, that's wonderful. Well, and I have to say thank you to all my listeners as well. You're the reason I do this after all. You can find more helpful information and resources on my consulting website, which is globalocityservicesplural.com, or I recently have created a radio show dedicated website called thesavvyentrepreneur.org and you'll see an increasing library of podcasts, tools, blogs, and other helpful resources for entrepreneurs and small business there that are all be free. So check them out. And uh, I always love hearing from any of you listeners. My door is always open. I welcome comments, questions, suggestions. You want to be a guest, you know, a great guest 
or maybe you just want to shoot the breeze, reach out to me at thenagel, N-A-G-E-L, at thesavvyentrepreneur.org. You'll always get an answer back from me, I promise. Now, be sure to tune in again next week at 11 a.m. Central, noon Eastern, for another great guest. But until then, I'm Doris Nagel, wishing you happy entrepreneur. 